Welcome to Cowboy Ed. We're riding along in a brand new year. 2020 is over, and here we go into another wild west kind of year. So the weather's been a little challenging, been getting off the horse a little bit, blowing a whistle, talking to kids at practice. So the voice is a little bit, a little bit more tired than normal, but we're battling through because that's what we do. We battle through. So how you doing, Maya? I'm doing great, James. I jumped into this year with a ton of optimism for where we were headed. But at this moment, I, I'm not even really sure where to point my horse. Everything seems just to be moving really fast and a little crazy. Um, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Well, and being a social studies guy, this year is, is something social studies people just foam at the mouth about. There's so much history happening with positive, negative spin, what, whatever we want to look at it, but, but it's happening. We're living in a very historic moment. And so, yeah, this conversation today uh, is, is so exciting for me. And, and with that, the idea that, you know, I think most teachers struggle with how do we teach about current history? Because it involves controversy, it involves people's opinions, it involves passion, and, and, and a lot of times it involves a, a mix of facts. And so with that, people, we get, you know, it seems like everybody in, in, in the education spectrum is under the, the spotlight. So they seem like they get a little cautious with it. And yeah, in my opinion, it's a little sad. So this conversation is about getting us to feel comfortable and excited and, and embracing the history we're living in. So we have Rebecca Geller from the University of Wyoming College of Education with us. We couldn't have found a better guest to, to, to kick off this conversation. And so she has done tons of research on critical social studies and civic engagement and supporting teachers and building those classrooms that are democratic and humanize humanizing for our marginal youth. So yeah, I, as you can tell, we're excited uh, and, and it just fit perfect with where we are, with a new president coming in, uh, with with all sorts of different issues facing our country. So without further ado, welcome Rebecca, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm really excited to be here with all of you today. Oh, and we're, we're excited. So we're, we just we just jump, we just get the horses going as fast as we can, Rebecca. And so the, the first question I have for you is, how important do you think it is for schools to be teaching about the events of the last few months, the elections, the riots, all the struggles? How important do you think it is that we're teaching about it right now instead of waiting? Yeah, it's really important that we give students the opportunities to process these kinds of events that are happening around them. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of teachers all around the country, and I hear lots of different things. And some of the teachers feel like, you know, I feel prepared to do this. I know what I should do in the classroom. And they're just sort of ready to dive in. And then I hear lots of other teachers who say, like, I feel like I'm supposed to, but I have no idea where to start. I hear lots of other teachers who say, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. And then there are the teachers who say, you know, I am really worried about what my principal might say, what my parents might say that sort of thing. But one of the things that we know from research is that talking about current events, talking about controversial issues, having these kinds of discussions with students is one of the sort of pillars 
of a good civic education, that this is one of the things that's really critical that we do in our classrooms. We know that it's something that increases students' knowledge about what's happening in the world around them. We know that it increases their skills for later participation in civic life. So um, we also know that it increases the likelihood that students say that they're gonna participate in lots of different kinds of ways in their communities when they grow up. So talking about current events helps them understand what's happening around them. And when they understand it, then they're more likely to say that they're going to vote or they're gonna volunteer in their communities, right? So it's important that we do that. It's also important because um, you know, even though we have sort of, especially in Wyoming, right, we have local communities really attending one school together. Still, public schools are one of the few places in public life in America where you have different kinds of people coming together. So in a classroom, we have lots of different kinds of people who have different perspectives and have different experiences. And this is one of the few places where they can come together and talk about things that are different. One thing that we've heard a lot of over the last few years is that, um, you know, sort of the discourse in America tells us that we don't know how to talk about controversial issues with people who are different from us. And so there are a lot of researchers who think that like talking about that in the classroom is a really important sort of practice space for students to learn how to talk about difficult topics in ways that will sort of set them up to be able to do that again, do that better as adults. Wow. And it was like we, you were reading my mind on that because I do think that this this highlights the whole situation in America does highlight our our inability to disagree um, and respect that we it's OK to disagree. If everybody agreed, what a boring, boring world. And so that kind of leads me into, you know, teachers, as you, as you hit on, teachers are often afraid to appear biased to a parent, to an administrator. So they stay away from these things happening in the world to kind of job security, to keep themselves out of trouble with, with in essence, everyone. Just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be just Switzerland and not have an opinion on anything and life's all good. So what, what's some ideas to set them up to start having some of these conversations, whether it's maybe setting them up with parents, setting them up with administrators, or just how do we get them to start thinking how can they be monitoring their own so that they're not biased? So there are three things that I'm hearing in your question, and I'm going to tackle them each successively. So the first thing is the question of bias, right? And, you know, certainly what we don't want is teachers standing at the front of the room using their classrooms as opportunities to just sort of spew political rhetoric at students. That's not good. Like, nobody wants that. But what we know from a lot of research is that when teachers try to be impartial and try to be neutral in the classroom, we're all human beings. We're actually not capable of being totally unbiased all the time. What we see over and over again is that even when we don't mean to, even when we don't realize it, we are constantly revealing our political opinions in the classroom, whether we want to or not. So, you know, in deciding which topics we teach, how we present them, how we frame them for our students, the different materials that we use, the kinds of questions that we ask, the kinds of responses that we take from students, which students we interrupt, which students we allow to sort of expound on their opinions, all of that is 
you know, it sort of gives students little sneak peeks into what we think, right? Like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard teachers say things like, well, I never tell students what I think, but they can probably figure it out, right? Like, I hear that all the time. And frankly, I'm pretty sure that I said that when I was in the classroom teaching too, right? Like, we think that we're supposed to be neutral all the time. And so we try to be neutral all the time, but we're just not humanly capable of doing it. Um, and so what I think, and what a lot of researchers have argued is that it's actually much healthier. It's actually much more responsible if we're more upfront with what we think with our students. And the, again, not in a way to say like, this is what I think and it's also what you fit, should think, but more to say like, all right, here's my bias, here's my perspective, this is what I think, and it's gonna shape the way that I talk about these issues with you. But that doesn't mean that you should think the same thing, right? So I'm gonna tell you what I think, I'm gonna present my evidence for it, and then I want you to disagree with me. I want you to present your evidence. And then my political opinion just becomes one of the many political opinions in the classroom. And then students sort of have a filter for all of the things that I'm saying in the classroom, right? Because what we don't want is for me to be standing at the front of the room saying, I am a neutral arbiter of truth. And then, you know, I constantly make sort of underhanded comments about Trump. Then my students might come to think, oh, she's neutral. She's just telling me facts. So that must mean that Trump is bad, right? Like we don't, we don't want that. We want students to be able to say like, oh, that's her personal opinion. So she must think that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth, right? So giving students that filter can actually make the space in the classroom a little bit more open for students to express their opinions. That said, that depends a lot on your relationships with your students, your relationships with their families, the, the relationships that you have with administrators, right? Like there are lots of contextual factors. So I'm not saying that teachers should just sort of like walk into the classroom tomorrow and start saying that. What I'm saying is that teachers need to be a little bit more thoughtful about what it means to be biased in the classroom. And because we've generally thought about it in these very sort of stark black and white terms, either I reveal my opinion or I don't. And it's just not quite that simple. The second thing that you talked about, sorry, go ahead. No, I, that is just an awesome answer. I'll let you answer the other two because I think teachers want to hear that. But I think you just bring up such a good point about the idea of being neutral, that in being neutral, we actually hurt the conversation a little bit, that we don't admit that there's, there's multiple pieces of this puzzle. And, and especially as you brought up at the very beginning, we have lots of small communities across Wyoming, but there's lots of small communities across this country. And when you think about uh, th those opinions that those communities can be very one-sided and so those kids can also generate a very one-sided opinion as well so now jumping back into that how do we approach our parents or, or administrators with this yeah so the second thing that I was thinking about is that fear element and that is totally real right like I, I don't want to undermine that in any way like teachers are afraid of doing the wrong thing in the classroom and facing social censure in the community or like even more serious and getting fired for that. Like we've seen that happen, right? So what I, what I do want to make sure that I say is that like, that's real. That is a real fear and it's reasonable and understandable that teachers are worried about doing the wrong thing in the classroom. Um, I would also say that like, 
we need to be courageous and we need to be willing to bring up these controversial topics, even if it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. One of the things we know is that administrative support is really important as part of this and, and whether or not teachers feel successful in being able to talk about controversial issues. So if you want to do it and you feel like you need to convince your administrators, there's a lot of research that I'd be happy to provide. If, if teachers want to reach out to me, I'm happy to send that to you so you can give that to your administrators because it's important that we have administrative support in order for teachers to be able to be successful. Now, the last point, your question, like, how do we set this up, right? One of the things that we know is important, like I said, is this sort of classroom culture where students feel like they can express their political opinions in the classroom, they can provide evidence, they can support their, their opinions, and that that is welcome, and that the teacher's opinion isn't sort of supreme in the classroom. So we need to support teachers to be able to build those kinds of classroom communities. One of the things that you can do is just making current events a regular part of your class. And that's something you can do regardless of whether or not you are teaching in social studies or English or in elementary school even, right? There's lots of different ways to be able to create opportunities for students to think about current events. We also need to be really clear with students and families and administrators why we're doing it, right? The purpose of this exercise is not to um, expose you to sad and scary things that are happening in the world. The purpose is not for me to have the opportunity to just, again, spew my political rhetoric. The purpose of this is for you to learn about the world around you, to learn the connections between the things that you're learning in science class and what's happening in the world around us for example, right? Um, but giving a clear reasoning for what we're doing and why we're doing it can be really, really helpful and help families feel like, okay, I understand the learning goals. I understand like the democratic goals that are associated with this assignment. So it doesn't feel weird to me when all of a sudden my students are being asked to do something that seems like it's distinct from world geography, for example. Now I understand what that connection is, so I'm a little bit more willing to sort of go along with it. And then the other thing that I would add is that we have to be really careful on the one hand to make sure that classrooms are open for students to express their opinions and also making sure that like those opinions need to still fall within the normal rules of what's okay to say in classrooms and what's not, right? At a certain point, one of the things that we've seen a lot over the last few years is that um, classrooms become spaces where students bully each other. And often that's happening in the context of these classroom discussions. And so making sure that you know what's okay in your classroom, what's not okay in your classroom, so that you are ready to say, that's not okay, and we're not gonna do that here. Rebecca, that is so much information. and. I'm just in awe at how complex all of that is. You're talking about mindset and being aware of my own ideas and what I'm sharing explicitly and not explicitly, breaking out of my comfort zone, taking on pedagogical strategies. So, you know, it's such great information. And I think we could talk for hours to just deconstruct all of that to, to really up our game as teachers. But I'm wondering, and I think our teachers might be wondering as well, if I'm not feeling very comfortable with this kind of conversation in the classroom, 
where do I start? What's the first thing that I should do to to really bring those kinds of um, conversations into my class? Yeah, I think you're you're totally right. It's it's a lot, right? These kinds of conversations often sort of go off the rails when they're not really well planned out. And so planning them and really being thoughtful is super important and it's really time consuming and it's really hard and the work of teachers is already really hard, right? And so I think just sort of thinking about how you can start one thing, right? Just sort of chipping away at the block so that you can start building one thing after another, after another, after another. So for me, I would start by making current events a regular part of my classroom, making it a regular assignment, for example, where, you know, once every two weeks or once a month, students bring in an example of a current event that they've been thinking about. I know um, in some of the research I I did um, before I came to the University of Wyoming, I actually interviewed a teacher here in Wyoming. um, And one of the things that she told me was that she, every Friday, she just had a bunch of copies of of different newspapers from around the country. And students just came in and they read through the newspapers and they talked about what they saw. And it was just this very informal space, but it was an opportunity for her to help students sort of make sense of what was going on around them. And that's something that like any, any teacher, right, could incorporate some, some sort of routine like that. There are also a lot, a lot of resources, especially in like the last week that have come up about how to teach, for example, teaching about the riots on January 6th at the US Capitol. There have been a ton of resources that have shown up on um, the internet. And some of them are things that are as straightforward as here are some things that you should think about. And some of them are like very specific, explicit lesson plans for different grade levels for teachers. There's a a friend of mine is um, working on a book, actually. She's an assistant associate professor at Michigan State University. And she's working on a book called Teaching on the Days After. And the whole purpose of that book is for, you know, when something big happens, whether that's at the international level or just something that was very local in your school community, how do you walk back into class the next day? And what do you, how, how do you handle those kinds of sort of emotional situations with your students? One thing that I would add to is that like, if you don't feel like you have the tools or the preparation or the skills necessary to be able to talk about current events yet, if you feel like you need to learn more, it is generally going to be better to just sort of let it go and learn and then tackle things later, right? Like I I would say that having discussions about current events and having those conversations go very badly is probably worse than not talking about them at all. Um, I think one thing that we're not often good at as teachers is saying to students, you know what, I don't know, I- I'm not, I'm not ready to handle this. And, and that's something that like is really important, especially with something like current events. It's okay to say, I'm not really sure that I know how to have this conversation with you guys. If you feel like you need to talk about it with somebody, like there are resources, maybe we can talk one-on-one, but I just don't feel like it's something that I'm ready to teach about today. And, and that can be okay. I think those kinds of comments are really, um, I know for myself as a teacher, they were really elusive at first because I felt like I needed to have the the answers or be the leader in the classroom. So new teachers starting out, I think that that's something 
that you have to grow into a little bit about being able to have that relationship with your students. But I feel like it's necessary for us to get there a lot faster, um, especially with the awareness of the students about what's happening. You know, they're pretty savvy with collecting information and, you know, they come to us as that guide. Do you have a favorite activity? So if I am feeling comfortable about having these conversations, do you have a strategy you could share or an activity that you like to use to promote those tough conversations? I don't know that there's like one specific activity that, that I really like. I think it depends a little bit on like the content of the thing that's happening. I do like to make sure that the conversations that I have with students are really like based in texts and evidence and materials rather than just sort of a spitballing conversation about how we feel and how we, what we think happened. Um, you know, I, I feel like those are conversations that I just don't have as much control of. I don't necessarily feel like it's as based in fact. And so for me, you know, providing students with a few different materials or asking them to bring in sources about something um, and then having a class discussion about that feels much more productive and much more like something that students are actually going to get something out of. What I would say is that like the, the versions of this that I feel like are least effective are when we just sort of have like a political discussion amongst students, like people just talking about their opinions about something, I feel like isn't generally going to be a space where students are listening to each other, where they're reevaluating opinions that they came into the conversation with and that kind of thing. And I would say that debates, you know, where it's, is this good or is this bad? I, I think are generally not going to be, again, not going to be productive spaces for students to learn things, to rethink what they came into the conversation with, because a debate is when we just sort of like sink our heels in and say, no, I'm right, you're wrong. And again, it's not really a space for listening. Well, you know what, that, that's a perfect, as, as we're listening to all this, it's just this conversation could go on and on. And, and, and we might need to bring you back to go into a, a little bit more in depth and some strategies, because as I was listening to you uh, answer those questions, Rebecca, I was thinking about that idea of right, the debate, the idea, and, and schools are really good. It's it's one of those instructional strategies we've had for years, this right versus wrong. And w maybe what we're lacking the most in, in this is, as this conversation has evolved here is the, tr as we touched on, the ability to disagree and know that my opinion is my opinion. And then as you carry that on, I love the piece about having it based in text because our kids are surrounded by all sorts of information. And whether it's fact or fiction or an edited video or a Photoshop, I mean, the ability to do that and skew what is fact or, or fiction, what's real and what's fake definitely influences our kiddos. And so it's definitely a, a tough, tough situation. But we're at the end of our ride and, and we've rode fast and we've touched on so much and we're gonna get some research out to you and we're definitely gonna be bringing Rebecca back because this is important. And right now, I think from an elementary, a kindergarten teacher to a high school teacher to a college professor, how do we approach these these tough times is, is very, very important because we are, we're lucky. We're living in a moment of history and we want to help our kids appreciate that moment of history too. So without that, with no further ado, we're off on the road and we'll talk to you soon. Move them on. Head them up.
Head him up. Move him on. Move him on. Head him up. Cowboy Ed on the run. <laughs>